Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is Bill Press and Friends on the District Productive Network. There is no denying the biggest story of the day, and that is the press conference that happened yesterday with Donald Trump. Now, it was supposed to start at noon. It started at 1. It was supposed to be a press conference where he uh, talked about his new uh, labor secretary that he's nominating, Secretary Acosta, which he did for about five minutes. And then he went completely uncorked. He went, it was the craziest thing I've ever seen. Look, I've said this for a while. I've been in radio, political news, whatever, for almost 20 years, 19 years. Next year will be 20 years covering this stuff. The thing I saw yesterday, it's not just like, oh, this is wild. This is really different. It's terrifying. He is not a well man. And anybody who thinks that he is, you're wrong. I saw a couple of people yesterday, like I, I've started reading some into some of the Republicans who are now like fully on board with Trump, right? So a lot of these guys are never Trumpers, used to be never Trumpers, who now that he's a winner have gotten fully on the Trump train. And I saw somebody going like, oh, you know, the, you know, this is just the way that people talk. People, they're just not used to seeing someone straight talk like this, like, This is how, like, when guys knock off from the factory, they go out for beers. This is just how they talk. No, it's not. No, it's not. It also shows just how stupid some of these D.C. Republicans, these inside-the-beltway political dorks, think that real America talk. Look, my dad ran a contracting company for his whole life. I used to be a roofer before I got into radio. I've helped build houses. I've done a lot of blue-collar jobs in my life. When we knocked off and we go get beers, nobody talked like this. And if anybody did, we would know immediately that they were not well. So this isn't straight talk. This isn't how normal people talk. These are the rantings of a doddering old man with holes in his brain. I'm going to play a couple of clips just to show you exactly what I'm talking about. And I'm going to get into some of this with Ali Watkins. Jamie, we got a ton of stuff. So uh, let's start with the Michael Flynn thing, because this is where the first time that I was watching it, where I sort of lost my mind because Michael Flynn was fired by Donald Trump, right? They couldn't even get that story straight, first of all, because they said, you know, he resigned. Then they said he was fired. Now, he was fired because... He did some bad things. He reached out to Russia, talked about sanctions before Donald Trump was president. He lied to Mike Piss about it. And so 
despite all of that, yesterday, here's what Donald Trump had to say about General Michael Flynn. I don't think he did anything wrong. If anything, he did something right. I don't think he did anything wrong. I don't think he did anything wrong. Then why did you fire him? If anything, he did something right. What is happening? You can't just lie your way through your mistakes. This is the problem with Trump. If you're going to run a success, all right, I'm going to I'm going to ruin some of your day, some of your y- y'all's day. All right? Politicians are liars. Even your favorite politician has lied to you. Okay? Sorry. Hope that didn't burst any bubbles out there. But politicians, by nature, are liars. So Donald Trump is going to be a liar. It's just a matter of how big he lies. The problem is he's not even a good liar. To pull off a successful cover-up, to pull off a successful lie, to pull off a successful, you know, pulling the wool over everybody's eyes, you've got to be able to do some stuff that you don't necessarily want to do. And this shaved ape is not willing to even do that. So he's never going to run a successful cover-up, and he's a terrible liar. Number two, racism. The least racist person. Like, so, all right, so so there's the Flynn stuff, okay? Whatever, man. He says Flynn did nothing wrong. We'll find out about that with Allie Watkins uh, coming up next. Jamie, on that racism clip, I, first, I want to play the April Ryan clip because he starts taking questions. He just starts throwing haymakers at the media, okay? Like, just unprovoked anger. So April Ryan, African-American reporter, been there for a very long time. She asks a question about whether or not he's going to meet with the CBC. Now, listen to their exchange because first thing I notice is he has no clue what the CBC is. Are you going to, are you going to include the CBC, Mr. President, in your conversations with your, your urban agenda, your inner city agenda, as well as... Am I going to include Are who? you going to include the Congressional Black Caucus and the Congressional Well, Hispanic I would. Caucus, I tell you what. Do you want to well set up the, the meeting? Do you want to set up the meeting? No, no, no. I'm, are they I'm, friends I'm, of I'm yours? I'm just a reporter. No, get a, set up the I meeting. I know some of them, but I'm sure Let's they're Let's go set up right a meeting. Now. I would love to meet with the Black Caucus. I think it's great, the Congressional Black Caucus. I think oh. it's great. Okay. This woman is an accomplished White House reporter. She's been there for a very long time. She has covered multiple presidents. You must know those black people because it's the Congressional Black Caucus. First of all, he has no idea that that the CBC, what, what it is, right? It is the largest caucus in Congress. He has no clue what the CBC is. In Am I gonna to, include are who? You gonna- the, the, uh, call who? He has no idea. So she has to tell him it's the Congressional Black Caucus. You realize, you, you, you hear that. And so his first instinct is, you're a black. Are they friends of yours? Are they friends of yours? Are they friends of yours? Like, at best, at best, that's casual racism. At best, that's casual racism. Right there. Like, folks, you can't just go up to a black person and say, Hey, do you know Barack Obama? <laughs> Elijah Cummings was on uh, uh, Chris Hayes last night, 
and he was asked about this, and he says, uh, yeah, some people just think that all black people know each other. That's the plainest way to say it, by the way. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. Like, there's the idea of the head nod, right? <laughs> Among black people. Right. White people don't have that. Right. It doesn't mean but that, that they doesn't mean they all know each all other. All know each have other. Have intimate relationships. There's not a club. They're all connected, and they go to family reunions all together. Yeah, right. That's <laughs> not how right. that works. There aren't meetings. There aren't uh, mixers for all black people. I would love to meet with the Black Caucus. I think it's great. The Congressional Black Caucus. I think the, the Congressional Black Caucus. No clue. He has no clue what he's talking. Joining me now is national security correspondent for BuzzFeed News. You know her. You love her. Allie Watkins. Thanks for coming in. Thank you for having me. I hope we don't vomit any more blood this it's all morning. Right. I got it all out of my system. Okay, good. It's good. Whew. Everything's been Number purged. two. <laughs> it's all out of my system at this point. Everything's fine. Well, you have, uh, like, I don't know, 18 hours left to <laughs> build it up again. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> let's be optimistic here. Just wait. It'll happen. It's going to happen again. Um Okay, so there's so much to talk to you about, but let's start with some of the stuff from the press conference. We talked a little bit about what Trump said about Michael Flynn. Uh, Jamie, if you have that Michael Flynn clip again, where he says uh, he, he did nothing wrong. I don't think he did anything wrong. If anything, he did something right. How, uh, what does he mean by that? Like, what? I am, well, I with the caveat that I am by no means a Trump whisperer sure. um, as to what he actually God, meant. God, if you were, I'd be horrified. Um, yeah, so I, I mean, this is with the backdrop that he fired him. Right. So, so, so Flynn resigned. Yes. That's how we first heard about it. Mm-hmm. Then uh, Sean Spicer in the press briefing out of nowhere says that Trump fired him. And so now he's a great man. He's a wonderful man. He was doing the right thing. I mean, we we all know, like in Washington, no one ever resigns, sure. right? So yeah. I yeah. like he we was knew more there time was with his family. yes, there was like something, like he did not leave of his own accord. Um, but I think it just kind of underscores this running assumption that. Trump doesn't actually know what is and isn't allowed. Yeah, right. Yeah, which is kind of, I on on one hand is like, okay, he's not like consciously saying this. He doesn't understand it. But on the other hand, that's not exactly a positive <laughs> place to be. So it's, it's called a lose-lose. Yes. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, a, that's the yeah. definition of a lose-lose. Yeah, let's go with that. Um, And then he said somewhere else in the press conference that if Flynn hadn't been calling Kislyak, he would have told him to call Kislyak, which I think maybe what's getting lost here, again, I am completely speculating, is that we're not talking about whether or not the call to the ambassador was the issue. Like, right. y- you can call an ambassador, fine. It's the discussion of sanctions and the kind of wink, wink, nod, nodding of, well, maybe we'll talk about lifting them. That is the issue. Like, actually dialing the phone is not the problem. Right, 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 right. Yeah, right. Yes. He, he was like, you know, Vladimir Putin called me to congratulate me on my victories. Like, okay, fine, great. Okay, cool. That's, yes. Literally nobody has an issue with that. Yes. It's what is said yeah. is the issue. And I still don't think we actually know what Trump knows was said, what 
when he knew what exactly was said. This is the proverbial Watergate question of what did the president know yeah. and when did he know it? And yeah. I, we still have absolutely no idea what it's that timeline is. A month. We're not even a month into his presidency. And that press conference yesterday had the sort of embattled tone that you see uh, presidents take on when they are, like, deep into scandal. Yeah, I mean, I think those assessments, like, the analysis of of that was interesting to me yesterday because a lot of people were saying, like, this is Trump coming apart. This is, like, a a president in crisis, blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, yeah, by normal definitions of what a president is, like, he would look like he's in crisis. But that, I mean, that's been a shtick for a year, years. I, I, I don't think that this is him coming apart. No, I, I think I really he. Don't. I think he truly believes everything is proceeding yeah. wonderfully. Although I think that the the Harvard um, rejection of the yeah. offer, I think that would be a big indicator to him because yeah. he. I mean, he hasn't really been publicly snubbed yet by someone he really respects. That's actually kind of exciting. Yeah, I, I really it's inter- It's going to be interesting he... to see how he deals with it, honestly, because I think that would be the first big indicator to him that, like, oh, maybe this isn't going as it should be. Like, forget. Uh, like uh, confliction, right, right, yeah. right, right, right. So, like, p- part of the, I, I think, the problem here, it, it, when people look at this and they go, like, "Oh, he's coming apart. This is it. We got it. We got it. It's going to be just like a matter of days." Mike Pence is waiting around to take over. I see Morning Joe talking about this. They didn't know what he's talking about. It, it's going to be. It, he's going to survive. I, I think we've. This got, is not yes. going to be. This what is not about. going away. Right. And the thing that I think people don't realize is. There's really not that much in place legally to like yes. get him out of there. And he's not going to go because it's too hot, you know what I mean? Like just yeah. because people turn up the heat, he doesn't care about that. I mean, that's been the it's running the last, literally the last thing he cares yeah, about. Yeah, I mean, as far as pressure goes, I think he, that is one thing he is more than capable of, of dealing with, especially when it's coming mostly from the press corps. Yeah. Um that's the inter- an interesting point though because that's been the running question on the hill the past week over all of these different Russia probes is this question of like okay, well what's the end game? Like do we actually think there's something legally impeachable in here? And I don't think that that's unequivocally known. Hmm. So, I, I mean, that's the question of what is there legally to do right now is a, a valid thing to ask because I don't really know. Okay, let me ask you a question. This is something that I, I personally wrestle with, right? Uh, getting back, This is getting back to the Russia stuff. Mm. Um, is Russia a real thing? I mean, I know Trump said Russia's fake news, right? But, like, you see, like, some... Like leftover Hillary supporters that are saying, like, well, Russia's the reason why she lost. They hacked the election, election, and that's why Hillary's not president right now. And then you have other people, members of the scumbag left, of which I am so, you know, that's, that's a term. That's it's a term. <laughs> which is okay. They're nice people. They're my people. But like, who say, like, this Russia thing is really not that big of a deal. Like, it's. It's not a good look for Trump, but this is hardly some huge issue of national security. Yeah. Where does the truth lie here? I'm the the very, like, lame answer of the middle somewhere. Um, I think that's right. Yeah. It's I, it's interesting, like, to see the how quickly this has gotten so polarized um, because it has very much become a nice red herring for Democrats to be like, well, this is why we lost. Russia's the reason, blah, 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 whatever. And then there's also this weird thing of like, oh, it's not that big a deal, which is also kind of very misplaced, I think. Sure. I agree um, with both of those. Yeah. So I think like 
somewhere in the middle is like some nugget of truth on this Russia thing. I, it's obviously he's gotten himself in a situation that I don't think any other president in recent memory has gotten themselves into. Yeah. Whether or not it's impeachable is I, another legal question that I do not have the chops to actually delve sure. into. Yeah. Um, but as far as like, is the Russia deal a thing? Um, yeah, it's a serious issue. I, the, the notion that a foreign government, a hostile foreign government, if you want to put them in that category, is actively trying and in some cases succeeding in, in penetrating the inner circle of the White House, whether that is through something as simple as a phone call, um, is is significant. It's something that if you don't... is. I wouldn't say is something where you rattle the sabers and light the torches, whatever, yeah. but it's something that needs to be taken with seriousness. And I think it is for the most part among um, like the adults in the room. I think so too. Yeah. I think it's, it's serious, but it, I mean, it's not hair on fire for a, like a yeah. lot of people. Uh, Allie Watkins is our guest. Read her good work at, uh, Oh, come on. What did I say? Oh, I said serious and Siri thought I said, Hey Siri. Morning Siri. Morning Siri. No, 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 stop. Um, so, uh, Allie Watkins is with us from BuzzFeed News. Uh, read her good work at BuzzFeed.com. Speaking of which, I have here some of your great pieces. Uh, actual intelligence officials are laughing at the idea of deep state. Oh, my state. God. My timeline is a me, disaster. Talk to me about <laughs> the deep state. I mean, this is essentially like rolling a grenade in the room, and now I'm getting on a plane in four hours and just going to let my timeline sit for as it is because it's a disaster right now. Um, I mean, so, okay, the the long story short of the deep state narrative is that Michael Flynn is felled by this barrage of anonymous leaks to the Post and the Times, Um, which I don't want this in any way to sound like I am hitting leakers. That's not at all what I'm doing. But out of all of these stories that have been leaked to the Times and the Post... This narrative has emerged from the weird, convoluted, far left and far right <laughs> axis that has emerged because it's 2016 and life is weird. Um, it, it's become like this is the deep state rising up to take out Michael Flynn. Yeah. Which the oh, so the notion of the deep state in layman's terms is basically it's far more applicable to like more authoritarian states like a modern parlance like a turkey or Mm. an egypt whatever it's basically the idea that there's this you know you have this sheen of democracy but you actually have this whole axis of military intelligence people who rise up and write the scales of justice when they see something wrong. it's like the the coup in egypt you know it's the the notion that like the military will rise up and take over if a person in power is not handling themselves so this whole narrative has emerged that Michael Flynn was cut down by a concerted effort on behalf of the deep state of America, Um, which I mean, there's a valid conversation to be had about, like, where are these leaks coming from? Is it, you know, why are people speaking now? There's a whole conversation to be had about that. But the notion of the proverbial national security boogeyman, the deep state rising up from the dark corners of intelligence agencies and cutting down people in Trump's circle is just a little it's a lot
Hey, everybody, this is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to the Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do. Just search for The Bill Press Show. Then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing. If you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review, and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks. Yesterday was one of the most bizarre things I have ever seen when Donald Trump gave his press conference. We'll get some thoughts on that from Matt Laszlo, who joins us in studio. What up, what up? We say, Matt, how you doing, man? I'm waking up. Yeah, I hear you, dude. Thanks for coming in. All right, so Matt, let, let's 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 just get right into the news of the day. Yesterday, this press conference from Donald Trump. The press conference from hell. It was insane. I was just praying, and, and, I, and I never pray, but I'm like, please just end. Yeah, <laughs> just stop. Seventy-seven minutes of pure torture. Which, and then this is the thing: like, he can then say, um, "I'm open." What are you talking about? This, and that, and he might even be right if he said this is the longest press conference ever. Yeah, <laughs> but right, it's not a good thing. He. I mean, he covered a lot of ground in one sense, but in another sense, he really didn't. I mean, he offended black people. Yep. He offended uh, Jews. Jews. Uh, definitely offended the press corps, but they're whiny little babies anyway. So, uh, <laughs> number two, he deserved it. Racism. Racism. <laughs> hey, I, 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 you you are a man of the media, right? Yeah. Like, you're, you, you, you Political... hang out with a lot of reporters. You sort of are submerged in that, in that world, yep. right? What's the reaction of the media to cover covering Trump? And I'm not trying to like necessarily bait into any kind of you know saying something necessarily negative, but like there is just no denying the fact that covering this presidency is way different. Well, and it's so weird even watching all the reporters asking their questions and kind of like going out of their way to kiss his butt, Acosta being like, uh, "Mr. President, no, we don't have it out for you." Yeah, I'm like, guys, just shut up. Yeah, and I was kind of annoyed with the White House press corps. Because they ask these long three, four-part questions. No, it's Donald Trump. Stick to one thought. Right. Stay simple. The more you dovetail and add commas and bloviate up there on TV, the more he has an out and he can talk about anything instead of just saying. Amen. Like that one girl was awesome because she was like, maybe it was a BBC reporter, but she was like, say yes or no. Yeah. Yes or no answer yeah. to um, whether your people – had any contact with Russian, any Russian official during the campaign. Yeah. And that's going to come back to haunt him. The the, the Peter Alexander question. Where, Refresh me on that. Where he said, Jamie, do you have that clip where he asks him, you know, he said, you know, Trump goes on and says he had the biggest electoral college win since Ronald Reagan. And Peter yeah. Alexander just says, that's just not true. Here's the whole thing. You said today that you had the biggest electoral margin since Ronald Reagan with 304 or 306 electoral votes. In fact, President Obama got 365 and two. Well, I'm talking about the President uh, Obama, 332, and George H.W. Bush, 426 when he won as president. So why should Americans trust Well, no, I was told, I was given that information. I don't know. I was just given. We had a very, That's very big amazing margin. Job. I guess my question is, why should Americans trust you when you accuse the information they receive of being fake when you're providing information? That's well, I don't know. I was given that information. I was given, I've, actually, I've seen that information around, but it was a very substantial victory. Do you agree with that? You're the president. Okay, thank so, you. I've seen that information around. Dude, you read InfoWars. 
Dude, dude you put the Gateway Pundit or whatever inside the press room. Yeah. Like, you read fake news. Yeah. Not, right. not well, let's just CNN. say we're not in Kansas anymore. Alex, have you ever done DMT? No. Do you want to? I don't need to. I go to every mm. night I go to sleep. <laughs> Alex Jones on DMT is terrifying. <laughs> I don't need to. Every night when I go to sleep. By the way, yesterday, uh, Alex Jones said on his radio show, Trump has already uh, made it to top three presidents of all time. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> where, like, where do we go from there? Yeah. So, like, but the, like the Peter Alexander clip, I think, is interesting because it shows what happens when you back him into a corner. You yeah. really do have to. It is sort of a delicate maneuver of not giving him an out. Right. You put yeah. you put the facts in front of him. You push him back against a wall, and then what do you get at the end? At the end of the question, he's got nothing, nowhere to go. It's all smoke and mirrors. And folks. I mean, it's just amazing because it's so troubling. He holds all the levers of power. I mean, except for Congress, but they're weak and do whatever he wants. Right. But he's literally the most powerful person in the world. And his worldview is tainted by these people that he gets information from. Like, he surrounded himself with people who do not view reality in the same way we do. Like, for them, this is not a table. Right. This is a pool. Right. Right. But when you jump in this pool, it hurts. <laughs> I'm afraid that our nation is jumping in a solid pool yeah. filled yeah. with rocks. This is actually, that's actually really interesting because like yesterday as I watched that press conference, I had to turn it off after about 30 minutes because it was yeah. like literally blood. I was listening on C-SPAN. It was too much. Uh, but I was watching and I was going, you know, like Trump is not some Machiavellian strategist. He's just a doddering old man. You know what I mean? And so, and so, but, but my, my point is, it's everybody else around him that I think are the real ghouls here. To a degree. I, actually, I had my students, both at Johns Hopkins and at Boston University, last semester, read uh, The Art of the Deal by Trump and then read The Prince by Machiavelli and compare the two. Strikingly similar. Oh, Jesus. That's terrifying. Trump Trump knows what he's doing, and, you know, I am a little more terrified of Bannon because I feel like Steve Bannon is the one he trusts in the White House. Yeah. And I feel like he wants to find a way to get rid of Spicer and Priebus, and, you know, he would get rid of Mike Pence if he could, except for that whole Constitution <laughs> yeah, thing. Yeah, right. <laughs> but he, um, he knows what he's doing, and what he's doing right now is utterly delegitimizing the press corps. So he's delegitimizing us. And then pushing out his own fake news. And this is, I did an op-ed for The Guardian this week calling Trump out on this. Um, now that he's letting these right-wing conspiracy theorists inside the press corps, what, what is he doing by delegitimizing truthful, honest reporting at the New York Times, Washington Post, who are, you know, getting leaks that are terrifying, but they're getting it. They're yeah. sourced. Uh he does that to push out not fake news. It's called propaganda. Yeah, he's trying to recreate um, reality, and you know his base is buying it. Yeah. You know they don't trust us. They haven't trusted the mainstream or lamestream media for years, um, and it's terrifying because what does he do? He goes through and he scrubs all these White House, um, you know, WhiteHouse.gov, and then um, different agencies. He scrubs all the climate uh, climate change science. Why are you afraid of science? Yeah. Because without science, you can push through whatever you want 
and then him also saying, uh, you know, he inherited a mess from Obama. No, the economy was doing great. Fantastic. You, in, you and then he's claiming all these um, jobs, new factories, Intel or whatever, that was announced on Obama's watch. Right. Right. He's recreating reality, and it's terrifying, and we Re- have to call him out for yeah, that. Yeah, recreating reality is, is I think, a generous way to say he's lying. Yeah. Laura Bassett is with us from the Huffington Post. Everybody go follow Laura on Twitter at L.E. Bassett. Uh, and you've got some great stories we want to talk to you about. First of all, uh, Donald Trump has mobilized women in a way Hillary Clinton Never quite could. That's sad. Yeah. But I also think that's true. It is true. Yeah. I mean, we're seeing something crazy lately. I I, I spoke to women around the country. Not only are they running, I mean, you must know this, more than 13,000 women have decided to run for office. That's an unprecedented number. Uh, and beyond that, it's it's women who have never been involved in politics before, never organized before. Maybe they went in on election day, they cast a vote for Hillary Clinton, Um maybe reluctantly, but but had never done anything before that. Now they're literally bringing their laptops to their state capitol during the week to work from there, to answer emails, to grade papers, do whatever they got to do while keeping an eye on legislation being passed, knocking on their legislators' doors, giving them a piece of their mind. They're organizing rallies, marches, protests, postcard writing parties. I mean, it's it's an unprecedented level of activism from people who have never cared that much before. It was remarkable to see the way that women mobilized. Yeah. And like this, I think the Trump win, winning the presidency, which is still a surreal thing to sort of digest, but I think that woke up a lot of people. Yeah. But I think women have the most at stake here. When you look at the sort of the assault on women's rights, not only from like Trump, but just Republicans in general, this is bigger than Trump. Right. And it's not just I mean, there's an assault on women's rights. Absolutely. From a policy perspective. And that's been going on for for five years. Um, But I think what was really special and different about Trump was. The fact that somebody could say the things that he said, be accused by more than 12 women of sexual assault, um, call women pigs and dogs and slobs, um, say, you know, about Carly Fiorina, about her face, um, that somebody could say all those things and that, you know, almost half the country would still vote for him. I think that was the real wake up call for women. Uh, You know, I try not to indoctrinate my children with politics, right, even though I very clear where I stand on things. Yeah. But like one thing that we talked about during the election is like, you don't talk, you don't act like this as an adult the way that Trump does. Right. You don't talk to people. You don't talk to women. You don't treat women, women that way. Yeah. That's just things you, those are things you do not do as a grown man. Yeah. I got two boys. We talk about that. And like when he won, it's like, Oh my God. Yeah. I think I think like he, I can't even imagine what that would be like, like to, to 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 have that experience as a woman. If you have been a victim of sexual assault, which we know a lot of women have, of course, and to have someone who said those things is now in charge of the country. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be pissed, too. I'd mobilize real quick. Exactly. And and my the question I was I was trying to get at in interviewing these women um, was, you know, I I've written about this. And so it's it's not a revelation, but I am myself a victim of sexual assault. And, and I wrote about it during the 
campaign because it was so hard for me just to write down his words, just to listen to him on TV, yeah. just to cover him. And so many women were, were feeling the same way I was. And, and we talked about it. But um, what I didn't understand is, you know, all of this was going on the whole the whole time, why weren't women mobilizing to stop him? Why is it only this huge mobilization effort after he won? And and the answer I got was just that nobody believed such a caricature um, of a jerk towards women could actually win. I mean, people just assumed that there was no way he could win. So they didn't think it was necessary for them to go knock on doors and, and call a million people to stop him. Uh, it was only after he won that they realized how real it was. Yeah. We know that um, white women did vote for Donald Trump in numbers that nobody really expected. And just to get at a question that is sort of in the headline of your piece, mm -hmm. why couldn't Hillary Clinton mobilize these women? I think uh, for a lot of people, sh uh, so some people were extremely enthusiastic about, you know, the pantsuit nation really picked up sure. in the last month before her election. And I'm not going to say women weren't enthusiastic enough about her. Um, I think complacency played a big part in it. Like I just said, I think that nobody, even the people who supported her just thought she was a shoo-in. The press, I mean, the Huffington Post, we predicted 98.5% chance of Hillary winning on election day. Nobody knew the polls told us she was going to win yeah. too. Um, so I think that, that plays a big part in it. And I think for a lot of people, she was um, sort of not as progressive as they as they hoped in a candidate. They, there were just a lot of Bernie supporters who were really pissed about the leaked emails. Um, and I think, you know, it's not only about women. I think voter suppression played a, a, a huge role in this election. I think that's absolutely true. I, I think that I, I talked about this a little bit, right? Like there are those people who think that Hillary Clinton was the worst candidate we could ever have. Yeah. And, um, you know, she had no business being on the ticket and all of that. And then they have other people on the other end of the spectrum who are saying, like, she was the greatest candidate the Democrats could ever have. And this was stolen from her because of Russia and voter fraud and the leaked emails, Call me, all yeah. that, which I think all of those were definitely factors in her loss. For but sure. I think the, the reality is somewhere closer to the metal. Yeah, I think the Democratic Party underestimated the um, hunger for an anti-establishment candidate. And Hillary could not be more representative of the establishment, you know, yeah. and um, it was just not the right it was not the right time for a candidate like her. Um, I wonder if if Bernie could have won. What, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Here are my thoughts on this. <laughs> it's a little controversial among the the crowd. I think Bernie would have won. Yeah, I was not like I. Bill was a ride or die Bernie guy. Bill is still a ride or die Bernie mm -hmm. guy. But like during the during the the primary, he was just saying like, if we're gonna have a shake up type of election, right, right, like this is where you got to go. Um, I had some problems with Bernie, but I also think that at the end of the day, if I look at the map, what states would Bernie have lost that she won? Mm -hmm. I don't think there are any. And then I think that he definitely wins like Wisconsin, Michigan, probably Pennsylvania. Yeah. I'm not like, I, like, look, let's be perfectly clear. I thought Hillary Clinton was going to win the election. Everyone without did. a shadow of a doubt. Right. Like I would have bet the house yeah. on Hillary winning. So it's not like I saw this coming or anything like that, but um, <laughs> I think Bernie won. Yeah, you know, 
another aspect of this is I think that, uh, and and I this is another uh, piece of my story. I, I was talking to a few sort of people who've been in the game for a long time and was comparing this current uh, progressive resistance to other movements in the past, right? So I guess the, the closest you can compare it to is the Tea Party. Sure. Um, but but you can also compare it to the civil rights movement. And I think I think for the past 50 years, progressives have watched um gains they've watched the 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 arc of of history i guess in the in the words of mlk bend towards justice mm-hmm. right so um in in women's rights in gay rights in civil rights for african americans in in climate change and all these different things that are important to them um generally america's been slowly like tiptoeing in the direction of of progressives yeah and so i think that they kind of fell asleep on the job yep, i think they, they, they assumed based on based on the past eight years of having obama like uh, it doesn't really matter what we do at this point. Like we are the side, we are the future, you yeah. know. Um, and and they're not the future unless they fight for it, you know. That's it. I don't know where any of this is. I don't know what we do. Like because I, I I've said this a couple of times. I don't I don't think this goes four years. I don't mean that like he's going to get forced out or he's going to quit. I, I, it's just like something's got to give. Well, I mean, uh, President Clinton was impeached just for telling one lie about having sex with a woman. Yeah. Um, so how much does it take actually to impeach a, I mean, Trump's already told lots of lies. Yeah. How much does it take to impeach a Republican president with a Republican majority? I don't know. We're going to see. It's not going to happen. I think, I think, uh, my theory is that, is that Republicans and Pence would love for Trump to be impeached. Oh, I think they'd love it too, but I, I don't think any of them have the, um, balls for lack of better words or to like actually step up and say like we don't want you anymore because so many of these guys are riding that wave but that wave is going to die at some point i hope i mean do you think trump is helpful to them you think it's actually a wave that they're riding i do no sir <laughs> Shut up, chef smith weighing in i do think a little bit I do think that a lot of you these think guys, it's going to help them in 2018 no i don't think it will in 2018 i okay. think that's i think they're there now because okay. of it but I think, I mean, look, we wanted, we, America wanted an anti-establishment candidate in 2016. We might not want that in 2018 or 2020. Well, I think people were really romanced by this idea of a wild card. Like, they loved the idea that they didn't know what they were going to get. Yeah. Um, and I don't like it. Now <laughs> I want to give it back. Now they took a bite of the random chocolate and they see what's inside. And I hate it. We'll see. Yeah, it's like one of those cra- like cherry cordial <laughs> chocolates that like, nobody likes. <laughs> when you take a bite and you put back. I wanted the peanut butter one and I got like cherry cordial. I wanted the Heath. The you Heath. Like, you don't like cherry cordial? Come on, cherry, oh, cherry cordial. cordial's nasty. Yeah, it's oh, nasty. Guys. Yeah, no, cherry, it's a no for me. Dog. See, right. this is democracy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Uh, follow Laura Bassett on Twitter, L.E. Bassett, and read her good work at HuffingtonPost.com. We're going to take the country back, and women are going to lead the way. I promise you that. Uh, thanks for watching the show. Make sure you check out YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Download the podcast on iTunes. Just look for The Bill Press Show. Thanks, y'all. This is the Bill Press Show.